Zechariah chapter 8, verse 18. The word of the Lord Almighty came to me. This is what the Lord Almighty says. The fasts of the fourth, fifth, seventh, and tenth months will become joyful and glad occasions and happy festivals for Judah. Therefore, love, truth, and peace. This is what the Lord Almighty says many peoples and the inhabitants of many cities will yet come. And the inhabitants of one city will go to another and say, let us go at once to entreat the Lord and to seek the Lord Almighty. I myself am going. And many peoples and powerful nations will come to Jerusalem to seek the Lord Almighty and to entreat Him. This is what the Lord Almighty says. In those days, ten people from all languages and nations will take firm hold of one Jew by the hem of his robe and say, let us go with you because we've heard that God is with you. Amen. Holy Spirit, come. We won't stop you. We won't hinder you. That is our deep desire that you would come and speak to us tonight, that we would be forever changed in your presence. We're mindful that all of us are being swept up into a river of your power, a river of your favor, a river of salvation, healing, deliverance. And this is the hour that the prophets saw far off and we get to live in it. We're mindful that this night that history books are waiting to be written about a people who would trust you, trust your word. I thank you, Lord, for the intercessory prayer that's taking place, Lord, not only here but all across the globe, crying out for the sons of God to be, to be manifest. I thank you, Lord, for what you're doing in Israel even now. I thank you for what you're doing in this state. I thank you for what you're doing in our nation, that there is a mighty turnaround, a mighty awakening, a mighty revival, Lord, even a third wave of your power coming to churches across the land, mega churches, churches down every gravel road. I thank you for what you're going to do tonight. Release your power, unsheathe your sword, do what you want to do, say what you want to say. We won't stop you. Let every man, every woman, every child be brought low and you be glorified and magnified through this word, God, as you develop it and release it, we pray that heaven's results, far-reaching results even to eternity would come to pass. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Many of you heard the story of how God called my wife and I here. There was another family leading the church years ago. Pastor Ken Gable, some of you know him, the Gable family. And we love them. And they were here for a season, for a time, I think it's for eight or nine years. And the church was interceding back then. We had sold our property. We had purchased this one. And they were having prayer meetings that God would send another pastor. And the plan was, the plan was that God would send another pastor and would use Pastor Ken to church plant all over the state. We've always had a heart to reach the whole state. 
We will reach the whole state. We will have a church in Juneau. We will have a church in Anchorage. We will have a church everywhere that God sends us to have one. God's raising up a people, and he's giving different ones like you, my brother, giving different ones like you to carry a burden, to pray, to see the plan. It's like blueprints being handed down from heaven. First comes a burden, then comes vision. Burden as a brother, it's vision. It's always birthed through prayer. You're to give yourself to that time of prayer. You're key in this thing. You have a burden and a, and a heart for the villages that have no gospel. They don't know Jesus and they don't have a church. And God's going to help us. God's going to help us. He's putting his hand on you. He's putting his hand on Pastor Tim. He's putting his hand on different ones. How many of you got a burden for the villages of Alaska? I mean, since I got here, I heard about how for, you know, for 10 years I've heard there's 100 villages that have no gospel witness. What in God's name has the church been doing for 10 years that they hear the same thing? You say, we're getting ready. Well, praise the Lord. We're going to strike our hours to the ground. God's going to help us. I'm not here to point the finger for the grace of God. Go I. But I believe that God is going to cause a massive release of laborers into the harvest field. You know why? Because God needs to do that to reach the lost. And as we pray, God's raising them up. And so back all those years ago, some almost 12 years ago, for my wife and I that we came, we just began to be burdened. I had visited the first time I came to Alaska, almost got killed on a fishing vessel. How many of you know what commercial fishing is like? I remember I was in Washington State, and uh, I couldn't get a job. And uh, I was uh, maybe serving the Lord 25%. I had people from the church helping me, but I wasn't really born again. I was getting handouts, but I didn't know about getting free. I didn't, you know, I wasn't, in, you know. And I needed the job, and I remember getting a job from a guy, and, he, and he, they were going to hire me to retrofit a long-lining vessel, a 165-foot vessel with a 22-foot beam, and they were going to retrofit. It was, a tr it was a trawler, a dragger. They were going to retrofit it and make it a long-liner. Some of you know what kind of language I'm speaking right now. Others of you are like, was that tongues? And so I got to work on the boat in the Seattle, in the Seattle docks there, and and it was hard work, but I liked it. It was good. I enjoyed it. And there was some, some Norwegians that worked on that boat. And they were, they were, I mean, they were the salt of the earth. These Norwegians were hardworking and they were kind to me. Then there was like some really demonized heroin addicts on the boat. And I was trying to walk the walk and all of that. And it was just really a swirl in my life. Well, we were just about done retrofitting the boat and it was going to go up through the inside passage and begin to fish out of Dutch Harbor. In January uh, would be the first month that it would fish out of Dutch Harbor and long line for Pacific Cod. And I, I remember just like, man, I, I think I could get on the boat. I think it could be part of the fishing crew. And I got offered a job to be on the fish processing deck. That's the below, below where they catch the fish. It's like entry-level greenhorn place. And so they offered me a job, and I remember talking to this guy who had gone out commercial fishing before. And I remember I was wearing a cute little jacket. I remember that because when I told him the story that I got a job, he grabbed me by my jacket with tears running down his face, and he said, don't go! Crying. Grown man, crying. I'm like, dude, relax. He's like, you don't understand. Don't go. 
I'm like, wow, who's a brother? He's a brother in Christ. And he pleaded with me not to go. And he, and he raised his voice at me and he said, it'd be better for you to pump gas than to go work on some fish processing deck in January in the Bering Sea. You have no idea what you're doing. You could die. Do you understand me? I mean, he was like freaked out. He started freaking me out. I wish I listened. I went, and that was the first time I came to Alaska. I was struck by its beauty, struck by the extremity of it. I mean, it was just absolutely extreme. The people were extreme. The, 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 the weather was extreme. And we got stuck in, a, in a, a storm with 30 and 40 foot swells. And if it wasn't tied down, it was exploding somewhere. You had to tie yourself in the bunk. I remember being so seasick that I crawled along walls. And I don't mean for a day, I mean for a whole week. And after seven days of being so seasick, and by the way, if you don't work, then you don't get paid. So if you take one sick day, then you might as well be off the rest of the month. And they go out for a month at a time and then they return to port. But you're not going to get paid if you're, you don't call in sick. There is no sick. Sick doesn't exist. At least that's what they told me and I believe them. So for seven days I crept along a wall wanting to die. I mean literally I'm like, kill me God. Just kill me. It'd be better than this. And you know, then, then fish heads everywhere, sleeping with fish eyes everywhere, fish guts everywhere, you know, and these flash freezers, and they were sending all this fish off to Japan. And I worked with this guy whose eyes were spinning in his head. Alaska, this was my first experience. I don't know if you know what I'm talking about. Someone who's salty, they call it. Their eyes roll around, kind of. It's something out about the ocean or whatever. No, you look at him and it's like, that guy's a little scary right there. You know, I'm not intimidated by much, but this guy didn't trust him. Big, burly guy, gnarly beard, eyes rolling around in his head. He was my foreman. He was the boss of the fish deck. And he was so mean to me, and he was so abusive and so foul that finally I thought, I've just had about enough. I had enough. I wasn't a small guy. I was athletic. I'm thinking, I'm, let's do it. Let's fight then. Let's just, let's just throw down. And so I remember him mouthing off to me one more time. I'd been sick for a week. I just couldn't seem to get the victory. I wanted to die. And here's this moron picking on me. And I hated my life. And my life was in shambles. And he picked at me one more time. And I said, man, you got a problem with me? Let's do it. And he just pulled a knife and came right at me. Forget about the nice... A nice little fist fight. Let's square up as gentlemen. No, heck no. Out comes the Victor Knox ready to cut my throat. How many of you know what a Victor Knox is? It's a fishing knife. It's serrated. It cuts really fast. Okay. He chased me. I ran. I didn't have much courage in that moment. <laughs> I'm thinking, wait, knife? No, no, no. I turned and ran, and he was just on my heels, and I ran towards the bow of the boat where the fish hold was. It was 40 below zero, and the hatch was open. I got there fast enough to dive in. I mean, I got on the ladder, and he was right there ready to cut me, and I just jumped off and fell probably 15-plus feet on my back at 40 below zero. He, he cursed at me, shut the hatch, and latched it. So... I learned to do jumping jacks and stay warm at 40 below zero without, I didn't have any, I had my, had my, you know, my rain gear. I had my pants on, didn't have my jacket. And so I just started doing push-ups and started doing jumping jacks at 40 below zero. 
This is my first experience in Alaska. I eventually got set free, and I eventually got delivered, and God brought me off the boat. That's my first encounter. Flash forward years later, on fire, filled with the Spirit, serving God, and minding my own business on the Garden Isle, in the middle of what I would call a bit of an outpouring and revival. Pastor Vince and Minister Ava could tell you about that. God was doing amazing things. So many leaders, we were pastoring two different churches and minding our own business. God spoke to me, spoke to my wife, and said, I'm sending you to Alaska. And it was exhilarating. The call, I mean, every, every Alaska show was on TV. And he said in the same way that there's a pipeline from the North Slope to Valdez, so there's a pipeline of the Spirit that I'm building, and I'm going to cause the golden oil of Zechariah to flow. And, I, and I've called you to be a part of it. Go. I told Dr. Morocco, and he said, that's the Lord. I said, I know. He said, pray about the timing. We did a three-day fast, basically. And the Lord said, you go now. Hey, what does that mean? Pack your stuff, get a container, get on the boat, fly over there, you're done. Go. Leave this church. There's lots of leaders, and you can do both. You know, and that's that's a time when my my beloved son, who at that time was what, four? Five, four, five, listening to my heartbeat as we're going to sleep. And then I would listen to his, and we would have this game, and I would he would say, Well, what do you hear, Dad? I'd say, Wild horses, when I would listen to his heart, wild horses. He would listen to my heart and and I'd say, what do you hear? And he'd say, wild horses. We had done it many, many times before. But this night, after the go, I'm calling you, Zechariah 4, this night, he listens to my, I listen to his heart. I tell him, wild horses, he listens to my heart. And he sits up. I said, what do you hear? He says, mm. And he comes down to the other side. So he listened here, then he listens here. And he says, oh, you have two hearts, Daddy. I said, oh, yeah. He said, yeah, this one's Kauai. This one's Alaska. I was just like, oh, my God. Okay, hey, thanks. Let's go to bed. Thank you, Jesus. Lord bless him. Amen. Walked out totally freaked out. I mean, out of the mouths of babes. In fact, my children, Hannah, Daniel, they've been used mightily, giving me the word of the Lord, and half the story has yet to have been told. God's going to raise you up to be a mighty voice amongst your generation. You're beginning to feel it. You're beginning to shoulder it. You're putting your hand to the plow. Daniel, where are you? You too. Amen. How many, of you, how many of you know God's got his hand on this generation? Come on, how many of you know God's got his hand on your kids? Your kids are world changers. Your grandkids are world changers. Come on, somebody say hallelujah. You teach them that. You speak that to them. You're going to change the world. You're not a loser. You're a winner. You're royalty. Come on, you can do great things. Nothing, nothing by any means can harm you all the days of your life. You're the head, not the tail. Tell your kids they're world changers. I have Hannah's number in my phone. Naturally, it's my princess. That's what she is. She's my princess. One day going to marry your parents. He'll knock on the door. I'll give a message in tongues. He'll have the same interpretation that I have, and then we'll know. Come on, somebody say amen. So I had this vision. I was on a run and had this vision and this word from the Lord. And I saw ministry school all those years ago, and we made an attempt to try to do that. We started this ministry school, the, the Supernatural School of Ministries, 2006, I think it was. And 2007, we got the Bethel's curriculum before they had curriculum. We were the first ones to get curriculum from, Beth, from Bethel. I, I called, I met, I met with, um, uh, with uh, Bill Johnson. They had an outreach here, of signs and wonders, healing thing. 
And uh, I said, man, I don't want to reinvent the wheel. Your stuff is good. Can you just give it to me? And he said, well, actually, we're making CDs. And I put our, and we, got, we got one of the first prints of the curriculum from Bethel all those years ago. And we started the school. In fact, is Kim here? I think I saw Kim. Was Kim here? Kim was one of our first students, if I remember correctly. And there's a few others. And we've just had some struggles getting that going. But we're going to launch that again in the fall. Just, I mean, it hasn't stopped. Its name's called King School of Ministry now. It hasn't stopped, but it's going to grow. And I'm excited about the Haggerty's. are going to be helping us with that. And just so grateful. Come on, somebody say hallelujah. You know, many times in our life, we have God in a box. Whenever I've had God in the box, he conveniently comes and rips out the corners and the box gets flattened. You might be feeling like you're in a box tonight, but I'm going to tell you that God will make a way for you and he has a supernatural destiny and a plan and a purpose for your life. You're here not by accident. God doesn't have any accidents. God has a plan. God has a divine purpose for you. A divine purpose. It's not just to watch TV, eat food, and that's the, you know, sleep. And suffer. Watch Netflix maybe the next night. No, God has a plan. God wants to bring a great awakening. And when you read this text that we looked at, and to, to understand the context of it, and when you read this before the context, when you read this text, you see this picture of revival. Now, I believe with all my heart, it's not even I believe, I know. What well, real believing is knowing, I know that God called us to do the very thing that he said some 12 years ago. Could it be now that as we enter into our 12th year, is it now our 12th year just coming up, right? Is that right? A year of governmental authority. Come on, somebody say hallelujah. The apostolic year. I mean, how is it? I'm, I'm watching a, 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 one of the streams from Maui and uh, James Huey. Great man of God prophesies. He, he says, I know he's not here, but Pastor Daniel and the church in Alaska, you're going to multiply, and God's going to, he starts saying the very things I've been telling you, and we didn't even talk. Now, how does that happen? God. Context, and then we'll look at this. This text is a text of revival. And I believe that God is doing this very thing right here. Over and over, these prophets on our, our property, I would bring them over there and they would stand and pray. They all said the same thing. God's going to do it. God's going to provide. Oh, and don't forget, it's about the nations. They would always say that. A question is asked in Zechariah chapter 7 and verse 3. Should I mourn and fast in the fifth month as I've done for so many years? He's asking the Lord. And they would fast and pray on days that commemorate national catastrophes. And in the month of Av, that was the time, I mean, you can go and look this up and Google it. I don't have the information in front of me just now, but it's the ninth of Av, I believe. Some of you are aware of that date. It's the time when the temple was destroyed three times, same date. It's a time of tremendous destruction and catastrophe, and they would fast and pray to avoid that and to see things. I mean, you go and look at the ninth of Av, and you do a study through history. I mean, it's like there's all kinds of things that happen with the Holocaust. All I mean, all on the ninth of Av, ninth of Av, ninth of Av, coming, coming. What is that? I'm not exactly sure. You can Google it right now. 
But he's saying, Zachariah's saying, should I fast and should I, should I pray? And the answer to that question is given in chapter 8, which we read, chapter 8, verse 1 through 17, it's seven oracles are declared. And each one is preceded by this is what the Lord says. And he's basically saying over these seven oracles, I'm going to bless you. Say that. I'm going to bless you. Because so God's saying, I'm going to bless you. 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 Seven times a picture of completion. So as we look at this text, it's out of that context of God's blessing that these three short sayings are, are given, this message. Things are going to change. Come on, somebody say hallelujah. hallelujah. Things are going to change. I'm going to give joy to replace sorrow. We are entering into a great outbreak of God, and I'll tell you one of the things that will mark it. God is going to give joy joy for sorrow. He's going to take your sorrow and he's going to give you joy. J-O-Y. Joy. That is one of the things that marks revival. Now the intercession preceding that doesn't always have joy, but I believe that we're entered into a place of release. It's not that we won't stop, we will not going to stop interceding ever. But there's a release of God's power. There's a release of God's joy. You don't have to be sorrowful anymore. God before you. Come on, who can be against you? He's going to turn it all around. He's going to bless your family. He's going to bless your finances. This was a year of favor, as our man of God said in the second service. If you didn't catch the first service, you need to get that. In the second service, we proclaimed jubilee. Now, do you think that's an accident? When I opened up the midweek service, the service just preceding that, with Isaiah chapter 61, the very same text. Every, every day is jubilee in Jesus. It's going to change. Joy will replace sorrow. And then it goes on to say, can you put the scripture up for me? Verse 19, Zechariah chapter 8. Are you all there? Come on, open your Bibles with me. As I teach you here. Zechariah 8. This is what the Lord says Almighty, the fast of the fourth month, seventh month, tenth month, will become joyful and glad occasions and happy festivals for Judah. Therefore, everybody say therefore. Love, truth, and peace. These are focal points that will actually bring a greater release of God's power in your life than perhaps you've ever seen. God wants to break the ends out of the box that you might be in and bring you to a place of revival, a place of outpouring, a place of release, a place of joy, a place of joy. I'm going to tell you, people need good news. What is good news? You don't have to be addicted anymore. You don't have to be afflicted anymore. You don't have to be broken anymore. You don't have to be sad anymore. You can have joy like a fountain. Why? Because Jesus Christ came and took your sin, broke the curse, and set you free. And you need to receive that and begin to walk in it, which is truth. Truth. You will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. I had somebody say this to me. I had somebody say this to me a number of years ago. As I declared, the truth will set you free, but if you don't know the truth, then, the tr then you're not free. And they said, you know something? That's not true, Pastor, because you really are free. Listen, 
If the prison door is open, but you're still sitting in the prison, buddy, you're still in prison. So many people don't know the truth. And because they don't know the truth, they've settled for a lie. And you can be deceived. You can, you can be bamboozled. You can be hoodwinked. That doesn't even sound good, hoodwinked. You've got to focus on truth. Truth is God's word. It's, it's not truth as you see it. It's truth declared through the, through the word of God. You must know the word of God concerning everything in your life. You know, what you're holding in your hands right now, whether it be an electronic version or whether you have this, the beautiful onion skin paper, whether you've got leather bound or vinyl, the truth of God's word, it's not, it's not, we believe in absolute truth. This is the truth right here. And every area of your life is discussed. The key to every problem that you face is found in God's word. Many people don't walk in truth because they're not willing to get discipled. They're not willing to learn. They're not willing to put their hand to the plow and really understand how to break out of that bondage of poverty, how to break out of that, that sickness, how to break out. You have to learn God's word. Come on, you can't afford, you've heard me say it so many times before, you can't afford to have thoughts inside your head that God doesn't have towards you. You must renew your mind. The young man that just walked in all the way back in the hoodie right there. I don't know who you are, and, and not that I don't care, but I want to give you this word. The enemy has been hunting you down. He's been after you, and after you, and after you, and after you. You are here by sovereign appointment of God himself. I can't see your face, so I'm not even sure if I know you, but I give you this word as surely as God lives. I have a plan for you, says the Lord, but if you'll cut ties with the enemy, there's some people that have been trying to sow some things into your life. There's friendships and different things that you need to sever and cut every single cord of those friends. They're not friends at all. They have, in fact, destruction. And I see even an assignment of darkness over you. I break that thing and I speak to you tonight this word that God loves you. Oh, he loves you, son. He's got an amazing plan and you're going to make it. Don't despair. Let hope rise. I'm going to help you, says the Lord, if you'll cry out to me. Amen. You've got to learn the word. You've got to get truth. And if you don't learn the truth, then you will be bamboozled. You will be the guy inside of prison when the door's been opened. As for me and my house, I'm going to serve the Lord. I'll tell you what's been amazing in my walk with the Lord. You know, you think you're free of stuff, and then all of a sudden, maybe years later, the Lord shows you something that you're still stuck in. I mean, that's, that, 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 that recently has freaked me out. No, I'm not talking about some hardcore sin. But how many of you know, as you get closer and closer to him and my Isaiah, Isaiah 1, whoa, you people, you bunch of wicked people. Isaiah 2, whoa, you, whoa, you're bad. Isaiah 3, whoa, you, oh, you're foul. Why, Isaiah 4. And then, and then all of a sudden, the Lord comes in and he says, whoa's me. For I am a man of unclean lips. The closer you get to Jesus, the more that you realize the thing that was, that, that you've been doing some things that perhaps were compromised. And the closer you get to him, the more you get to him, then he begins to lovingly bring you into an encounter of his love and his power and his glory. And that's when he told you, you know, the things that you were doing that he tolerated before, maybe you didn't realize it now, now you realize it's not okay. God wants us 
to know his word. God wants to focus on truth. Therefore, love truth. We need to concentrate on two things from this text. Truth, which is his word, and peace. The second thing is peace. Listen, God's about to change some things. If you get into the word, then you'll get truth, and you begin to speak it, you begin to declare it. You get in that thing and you bow down the opposition. You renew your mind. If you have hatred towards yourself or discord towards others, you're jacked up. You need to change. If you're all offended, then you're going to be suspended. God has an amazing plan for your life, but you've got to learn that through his word. And if you don't ever learn his word, then you will never walk in freedom and victory. And I'm not talking about a head knowledge. I'm talking about knowledge that's activated in your heart and lived out, applied. Not learning something and then forgetting like a man who looked into the mirror, forgetting what his face looked like. Not like that. Someone who applies the word. And the only way that can happen, by the way, the only way that you can really walk in truth is by walking in a community of people that seek truth. I'm so thankful. You know, there's times when I'm preaching or whatever and I get these little white spots in my corner of my mouth, which make me sick when I see it in other people. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? And so I'm so thankful for my wife who'll be like. She's like, do it now, do it now. I know I can feel the, I can feel it. We're like, Jesus, help me. Set him free. Hallelujah. <laughs> Praise God for people that'll tell you you've got lipstick, Ladies. Lipstick on your teeth. Praise God for people that tell you when your fly is down. Come on, somebody. Praise God for people that love you enough to tell you that you got a shoelace undone so you're going to bust your face. Praise God for people that are willing to speak truth to you. When you have an attitude problem and you're heading for destruction or you've got things going on, I've seen people reject that. But it's a beautiful thing to be in a community of people that love each other, that are willing to speak the truth of God's word so that somebody can fulfill their destiny and purpose that I was talking about. You've got a destiny. You've got a purpose. But you will not see it fulfilled without truth. God can't bless the mess. Peace, the second thing. Peace. Shalom of God. Change of joy for sorrow, peace, shalom. You know, I, I've said this before that we don't we have a zero strife policy. We don't have strife on our staff. We don't allow strife in the church. We don't allow backbiting. We don't allow that. Does it happen? Well, sure it does. But that's when you're going to get corrected. That's when we're going to talk to you about the lettuce in your teeth or whatever you got. You say, you're going to talk to me? Well, if it happens in front of me, of course I will, but there's others. Come on, we need to have, we need to have a, a, a zero strife policy. Got to have peace. There's nothing like God's peace. I think one of the main ways that Pastor Karen and I are direct, direct the church and direct our lives is through the peace of God. It's, it's, it's the compass for us. If I don't have peace, then everything stops and I'm going to find it. I'm going to find out what happened. 
I'm a, I, I do not allow, and I'll just tell you, if you just do this in your life, all of a sudden you don't have peace. Well, something's wrong then. So why don't you pray and let God show you what that is. You'd be like, uh, uh, and then all of a sudden you realize, oh, you were mean to that person. Or, oh, maybe you got to intercede for your kids. Or, oh, you realize, oh, you, you did something that the Lord is showing you is sin. Or, or he'll show you. He'll lead you, guide you. Or you stepped off the path and he'll guide you back. Peace is crucial. Listen, you can have peace in the midst of a storm. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? You, we're going to have a great revival. It'll come as we learn God's word and walk in truth and declare that to a lost, broken, dying people and live that way. And as we focus and concentrate on peace, you must maintain peace. God will give you joy for sorrow. He'll give you peace. Come on, lift your hands all across this place. Hallelujah. Come on, all across this place. Put up verse 20. Hallelujah. Glory. Minister Mike could jump on the keys for me. Lord, thank you. In verse 20, it says, This is what the Lord Almighty says. Many people, inhabitants of many cities will yet come. What a powerful picture it goes on. It's a powerful picture of the whole world coming to worship Jesus. Now it talks about Jerusalem, and that's, that's taking place. But it's also a picture of, of, of the people coming to the church, people coming that are so broken, so hurting. You know, calling 1-800-IDIOT psychic hotline is not going to help you. It's just going to get you further into demonic power. If you need a word from the Lord, we've got teams of people that will give you one. After this service, we'll have that. That's called a prophetic prophecy. You could have a word from the Lord. God wants to speak to you. God wants to help you. People from all over the world are coming to Alaska. How do you know? You're part of them. Come on. I originally come from New York. That's pretty far away. My mama moved up here from Florida. That's about as far away as you can get. Come on, where'd you come from? God called you. Listen, God called you here, and if you didn't and you're in disobedience, just repent, take your little feet, go back to Jesus, and get your marching orders and get to where you're supposed to be. Then don't stay here. Amen, that's a bad thing. You're either here for two reasons. One, God called you. Two, you're disobedient. But I can't wait to leave. I want to leave this God-forsaken. Well, where are you going to go? You know, everywhere you go, there you are. Maybe you need to get healed and set free yourself. Maybe you need to get some peace. Maybe you need to let the joy of the Lord turn your sorrow into joy and get the breakthrough. You know, or you can go somewhere else and be miserable, and then hopefully you'll get a hold of it then and then turn it around. But it's up to you. Geographical moves don't work. But God does move people. I mean, you know, he moves people. A powerful picture of the whole world coming. It's a picture of revival. Joy. That was, I shared, I think, in the first service, but I, I, I was coming to church. It's my birthday today, and it happens to be my daughter's birthday, too. And, uh, yeah, thank you. Thank you for, thank you for your gracious prayer and honoring of us this morning. So I was driving, I left, left my driveway, and I, I just got hit by the Holy Spirit. By the time I got to the first stop sign, leaving my home, I was 
Serious, I started laughing. Made the turn and I'm giggling. I got nothing to laugh about. I didn't hear a joke. I'm just start laughing. I mean, I'm like so happy that I was just gonna explode all over the inside of my truck. And I just started, I'm just like, oh, oh, oh man. In fact, I could just go there right now. I mean, how is that? How is it you would just start laughing just because you're breathing, because you think about all that God's done and all that God's doing, and you get to be alive. You get to be alive at this time in history. The sorrow is gone, and the, the sighing is gone, and the, all the angst and the pain and the heartache. I don't know if you've ever experienced any of that. The grief lifted, knowing that every prophetic promise is coming to pass. Every single word of God is yes and amen towards me. And I'm seeing it come to pass. And I, I found myself just laughing. And then we made the rest of the turn. And Hannah put on some anointed worship music. As I'm driving to church with my princess. Walking in destiny and perfect in purpose and the perfect will of God. I got to the stop sign at Pacific, at, uh, Pacific Coast Highway. No, we were in California, I don't think. Palmer Wasilla. I got to the stop sign. I couldn't drive. I couldn't take it. I pulled my head off. I just started crying and laughing, kind of a combination. Hannah looks at me, and I'm sure she thought, oh, mom, go ahead, dad. Can't drive. Can't pull out. I'm overwhelmed. Totally overwhelmed. Listen, if you don't have moments like that, you might not understand truly what's happened for you. You might not understand really, really honestly, truth. That you've been redeemed. That you've been washed. That you've been cleansed by the blood. Cleansed by the blood. Cleansed by the blood. That sorrow and, and sighing is no more. That he's taken your sin and thrown it as far as the east is from the west. You might not realize that you're a new creation in Christ. You might not realize that the old is gone. The new has come. Oh, if, if you're filled with sorrow, maybe you, maybe you haven't focused or concentrated on truth to understand that who you are. And as He is, so we are in the world. How is He right now? As He is, so we are, it says in 1 John. What does that mean? How is Jesus right now? Is He up on a gurney with a drip? IV intravenous in heaven. He's enthroned. He's seated at the right hand of majesty far above all rule and power. As he is, so we are. We are victorious. We are more than conquerors. Oh, you might be facing a trial today, but it's God's opportunity to, to catapult you into, into the goodness of God, into the promises of God. Don't waste a good trial. Revival's coming our way. Listen, what our brother said today, tonight, this morning is, is true. It's here. I said revival's here. There's an emphasis in revival on the word of the Lord. There were some churches back in the early 90s when the power of God hit Alaska. And they would come and they would just fall out. I don't know if you've been in the church like that. Don't raise your hand. But I mean, they come and they just laugh and they fall out. And then they're just pastors on the ground. Elders on the ground. Everybody's on the ground. And then you have new people coming in. And, and there were times of genuine release of God's power like that. Listen, when the glory of God shows up, nobody's preaching. 
When the glory of God comes, it's not not us listening to some man. When the glory of God comes, everybody's laid out mostly. I've been in services like that. We've had a few here over the years. May we have more. But there's an emphasis on the Word. If the Word is not taught or the Word is not preached, and how are people going to know? And I do believe in glory evangelism. You know what I mean? Like you walk into a cloud and then it just overtakes you. And there are moments like that. God is going to turn sorrow to joy. The second thing he's going to do, he's going to bring an emphasis of the word of the Lord. Get the word of the Lord in your house. Get it in your home. Teach your kids. Get plugged into the life of the church and learn the word. There are people that have been in Christ for 20 plus years. They're still not renewed. They're still as miserable, angry as they were. They've forgotten. They've not grown. They've not challenged themselves. They've not put themselves in a place of prayer. But that's not you. That's not me. Come on, hunger and thirst for righteousness and you shall be filled. There's an emphasis on the blessing of God. The shalom, the peace of God. Shalom is nothing missing, nothing broken. It's wholeness. God wants to heal your mind, heal your emotions, heal your family, heal your marriage, heal your kids. God wants to heal your money. God wants to heal you in every way possible. He wants to bring about salvation, sozo, physically, financially, emotionally, spiritually, in every way. God is the original holistic healer. New Agers tried to steal it, but Jesus is the fulfillment of it. And if you'll receive him and you'll you'll concentrate on truth, concentrate on the shalom and the peace of God, he will heal you, he will restore you, he'll save your whole family. Come on, someone say shalom. An emphasis of the blessing of God, an emphasis on wholeness. There's a hunger that comes on people. That's what you see. Nations begin to go, oh, tell me, how is this possible? Well, we know God. Come with me. Come with me. I'm going to KC. I'm going to Kings tonight. Look how many people. Look, just look around. It's amazing. Why? Because there's a there's a hunger in the hearts of people. Jesus is the answer to every human need. He can help you in your mind, help you in your emotions. He can help your family. He can restore and do miracles. Cancer bows the knee before the name of Jesus. Anxiety bows the knee before the name of Jesus. There are no impossibilities. Come on, God is giving us a great awakening, a great revival. If you'll just believe. If you will believe. Concentrating on truth. Concentrating on the shalom, the peace wholeness, letting that rule your heart. You're going to have neighbors. You're like, man, I saw you pulling out of your house and you were laughing and you couldn't drive. Concerned, are you drunk? Are you drinking now? I thought you were a Christian. Actually, yes, I, I am a Christian. No, I'm, 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 I'm intoxicated with God's goodness. Really, it's amazing. You should come. And I'm going to tell you something. When it's genuine, it's real. I'm not like, not some religious mumbo-jumbo. I don't know if you've seen it before, but I have. I've seen people try to fabricate revival, and there is no anointing. I was watching a service not not long ago at another church online. Listen, you got to watch for the stuff that you watch online. Everything that you see is not revival. And if there's a mixture, I would turn it off immediately. If you feel checked in your spirit, man, don't don't you be careful what you watch. There's all kinds of nonsense out there. And I heard some nonsense. It just made me want to get sick. 
But there is the genuine too. There's people that are so hungry for the real thing that they'll swallow the false along with it. Come on, be the real thing. Let Let the foundation of your life be the Word of God. Focus, concentrate on the truth of God's Word. Let it penetrate your heart and your mind. Live it. Don't have, a, don't, have a, don't have a compromised life where you're just angry at home. You're angry and bitter, and then you come and praise the Lord here. You know, the, I, I asked my kids, and yeah, I'm just going to be real transparent with you. You know, I mean, we've had times in our home where, you know, we're, there's fighting. We're fighting. I don't mean like physical fights, but I mean, you know, we're working it out. She's part Italian. I, I'm, I have a pretty passionate personality myself. You know, and there's times where we've bumped heads. We always work it out, and we will always work it out. But there were times where, like, geez, I hope it doesn't seem like to my children that we had a double standard. Because if your kids see a double standard, they will hate church, they will hate God, and they will be destroyed. Or you might make them come and make them get involved. You might make them do things like that. But if they see a double standard, you filled with anger, filled with lust, filled with greed. They see a double standard. They will not serve God. No matter how many times you told them to open their, to open your Bible, read your Bible, memorize scriptures. It's all a bunch of bunk if you live like a jerk at home. So we were having some down-home conversation earlier, and I, I asked my daughter, I said, do you feel like there's any contradiction in the home? She said, oh, no. I thought, oh. Thank you, Jesus. (laughs) Oh, forget it. I'm going over here. Because I know that's the number one thing that destroys preacher's kids. It's the number one thing. It's the number one thing is they see in the home, oh, you you come to church, oh, hallelujah, hallelujah, praise God, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, thank you, Jesus. (laughs) At home, you can't forgive, you're angry, you're bitter, you talk stink about people, you're ugly. You ugly, you ugly, uh, uh, you, uh, you ugly at home. Oh, but then you're, a, you're coming to church, you're like, oh, there's a hunger, there's a genuine hunger that'll come on your kids when they see it's real in your own life. There's a genuine hunger that's coming on our community. I'm telling you right now, there's a genuine hunger. It's like a blanket of God is coming. People are disturbed. There's no answers through 1-800-MORON. Come on. Moron's not a curse word. It's actually, you look it up, Google. It's how you think it's a special stupid is what it is, moron. A spirit of moron. Anyway, there's a hunger. People have a hunger for God. You and I have the truth. And we're going to bring it all over the state. God is raising up an army of intercessors. He's raising up an army of people who understand the joy of the Lord, that know the truth, that know the shalom, the peace. They know wholeness. They know what it is to be liberated and freed. And they're beginning to open their mouth to declare the goodness of God in the land of the living. And God is beginning to draw people from the north, south, east, and west. He's bringing a great revival. He's bringing a great revival. There's a hunger, and you're going to find
find people beginning to come to church and people begin to just say, man, I got to go. I will have service every single night if we need to. If, if, if it just begins to pack out on Sunday night, we'll go to another night and keep doing it and keep doing it and keep doing it. God will supernaturally help my voice and raise up a whole bunch of other preachers too. And God will give us a great outpouring. Will you believe for that? Will you believe for revival right now? Will you believe for revival now? Will you? Will you believe for it? Will you believe for a great outpouring? Believe for revival. Push me up. Come on up on your feet all across this place. God uses people to bring a bridge. You'll notice that they, they come and they take hold of the Jews' garment. God uses people to bring people to Him. There's a bridge. You know who the bridge is? It's you. It's me. It's us. So when, you, when you're at a restaurant and you tip them 30%, they're like, what is that? Oh, that's just Jesus. It's the generosity. Come on. And if you're a cheapskate, you need to repent. Come on, God is bringing us a great awakening. He really is.